Well, good morning again. Which camera do I look in? That's about what it was like when I was here with Chris. Chris just says, look in this camera over here. No, look in this camera over here. I don't know how to do all that stuff. I tell you what, it has been a goofy season, um, but it has been good. I'm thankful for guys like Chris A, who've been willing to give up his entire Friday to be able to record and edit. Um, congratulations to Chris and Lauren if they're listening in. I hope not. They're, it's their, they're away. It's their 15th anniversary this weekend. Um, but uh, God bless them. Thank you so much for their service. And uh, Rob and Olivia and others who have been serving in uh, the worship ministry, yeah, thank you for your work. Um, and uh, hey, I, I hear that this is a bit on a delay, like by the time it gets to the Facebook feed or wherever it's going, it's like a 10 second delay. So if I really screw up, we can just hit stop and then go back and fix it. Um, it's a different world, isn't it? It's a different world. I was watching, uh, I was watching a friend of mine uh, preach last night from Australia. And it was, it was Sunday morning for them. And uh, a friend of his was, I was communicating with him, commenting while he was preaching. And, and uh, I said, you could pray for us in your service uh, because we're going to be opening up for the first time together in our building uh, uh, tomorrow morning. And uh, he said, we've got, we've got two months to go yet. Um, so you can pray for, uh, for the church in Australia. Pray for uh, the church in Lake County, um, that, uh, that we would be vibrant and trusting in the Lord and teaching God's word and worshiping God despite the circumstances that we find ourselves in. Um, another word uh, to you and to us, uh, just a pastoral encouragement. Be gracious with one another. Be kind to one another. Um, just understand that lots of different people are dealing with what we're dealing with in a very different way, and I would just encourage you to be gracious with one another in this season as we transition back to, towards the, the direction of us living normal lives again. And uh, we don't know the timing of all of that, when we can have all of our chairs and everybody will be back in here again. I long for that day. As, uh, as joyful this, as this moment is, it is a little bittersweet that there's folks that aren't here with us. And I'm so glad that God's given us the technology that they can be with us at home while we're worshiping here in this room. So we praise God for that. Every change of season is a bit of a reminder this morning of the Exodus. Every change of season is a bit of a reminder of an exodus. who are always moving from something to something. We're talking about Moses this morning, and specifically uh, the call of Moses, and where he, he was leading the people of Israel out of Egypt. 360 years after the time of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the faith Moses, of Moses' parents, they saved him, they hid him, and then they gave him away, all by faith. Forty years later, as Moses has grown up, he's been raised in the courts of royalty. By faith, Moses stood then with the people of God in Egypt. And then he left by faith. Moses, while he was away, this is what takes place. You can look up on the screen or you can follow with me in the book of Exodus. Exodus chapter 2 and verse 23 and 25 
It says, During those many days the king of Egypt died, and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God, verse 24, and God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God saw the people of Israel, and God knew. Now, we've talked about that verse before. I've told you to underline it. I hope you did. This is the God who sees a people in crisis, and this is what God's action looks like. This is what God is doing when his people are in crisis. God is hearing the groaning of his people. God hears every prayer that you prayed throughout this time frame. God hears every, every prayer that you have prayed for family members. God hears every prayer that you have prayed for the economy. He hears every prayer that he has prayed regarding, am I going to have a job or am I going to lose my job? He has prayed every prayer that you have prayed. He has heard every prayer that you have prayed as you've been separated from family members. He heard. He hears. God remembered. God remembered his covenant. What that says is God remembers his, his redemptive plan. God made a promise all the way back in Genesis 3.15, and God is being consistent in keeping his covenant. He will never stop. God remembered his covenant, his covenant with his people to bring them through, to bring them to redemption, to bring them to a place of his care, no longer under the tyranny of Pharaoh. He remembered his covenant with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and he saw, he saw the people of Israel. He saw them. <laughs> I love this picture. This is a picture of a God who is not deistic, who spun this whole thing into motion and then left us to figure it out on our own. This is a God who, who sees this is a God who, who kneels down to his people, who walks with them and feels what they feel and knows what they feel. Not because they're the ones who are directing things, but because he is a compassionate God and he is slow to anger and he loves his people. He sees the people. And God knew. God knew. This is a picture of sovereignty. God knew. There's not one moment of our circumstances that we have faced over these days and that we are facing right here in this room. Whatever turmoil you are facing in your heart, I didn't like wearing a mask today. Whatever turmoil is in your heart, I don't like not hugging people. I don't like it. And God knows. He knows the turmoil in your heart right now. He knows you at home. He knows you want to be here. And he knows why you made the choice you made to not be here this morning. God knows. He is sovereign. And we delight in him, do we not? God hears and remembers and he sees and he knows. So many people in our day are screaming, God, do you see me? Do you see me? Do you see the circumstances that I'm in? Back in our story, 
After 40 years, God calls Moses to a new season of life. The objective of this season of life is very specific. It is to bring the people out of Egypt. It is the exodus. It is the season of bringing people from tyranny to freedom. We're not going to be able to pick up on every last detail of Moses' call to ministry, but we do pick up the story in Exodus chapter 3. When Moses is called, sandals off, burning bush in place. Out of this call, what I want to do is make three observations about the call of Moses to encourage us and apply to our hearts this morning. God says to Moses, Exodus 3, verses 9 and 10, he says, And now, behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, there's the call. You hear it? Come, and I will send you. Come, Moses, and I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. God involves Moses in his plan. Does he have to? Does God have to involve Moses in his plan? No, he does not. God's got all kinds of miraculous power that he can can unleash at any given moment in time, but God involves Moses. God calls his people to serve in his kingdom. Come, Moses. I'll send you. I'll send you. My first observation in the call of Moses. God calls his people for his purposes in his time. God calls his people for his purposes in his timing. Moses wasn't perfect. Moses was a man. We all got to see. Nobody gets to see most of our mistakes in life, do they? But everybody gets to see the recorded mistakes in Moses' life. He wasn't a perfect man. He was just a man. And I can tell you this much. At 80 years old, he wasn't looking to be a hero. He was just looking to take care of sheep. But God shows up and he says, listen, Moses, I'm going to involve you in my plan of redemption of the people of Israel. God moves the people he wants where he wants them. You're one of those people. You're one of God's people. Listen, Moses saw what God saw 40 years earlier. Moses saw what God saw. It's not that he, he didn't judge things rightly. The injustice that was taking place in Egypt was horrific. There were people who were being dehumanized. Moses saw it. But God's purposes in that moment and 40 years later, they were different. God needed to do something different in that moment. It's not that Moses didn't see the injustice rightly, but God had a different purpose in Moses' life, in the life of the Israelites, and in the life of the Egyptians in mind for 40 more years. It's not as if Moses 
figured it out, and he said, hey, there's an injustice happening here. Let's rise up, and then God's supposed to listen to him and do something about it. It doesn't work that way. God had purposes for Moses. God had purposes for the Israelites, and God had purposes for the Egyptians. And do we know them all? No, because it just doesn't make sense to us. It would make much more sense if if when Moses rose up and killed that man who was doing that injustice to that Jewish person, if God would get on board with his program and he would just right all the wrongs right there on the spot. But that's not how he works. That's not how God works. God's purposes. God calls his people for his purposes. What? In his timing. In his timing. Moses' gut instinct, as I said, about the oppression, it, it was spot on. But his timing? His timing was at least 40 years off. Was it not? What we learn after the fact is that his timing was at least 40 years off. And I don't understand that. It doesn't make sense to me, but the fact is, is that he rose up, he didn't do it in the right time, and God now decides at 80 years old, his purposes for Moses are no longer to be in training, now your purposes are to be on my program with the Exodus. Moses wasn't wrong. When he saw the oppression, he wasn't wrong. God's timing is perfect. And it bugs me. (laughs) Can I get an amen? God's timing is perfect and it bugs me. And I love him. And he's good. And he's got purposes. How many of you have found over this time frame that God has used these circumstances to shape your heart for his glory? How many relationships have you been able to push into that you didn't get to push into before? How many people have connected with people over the gospel or over caring for one another that you weren't doing before? God's purposes and God's timing are just out of this world. God calls his people for his purposes in his time. Here's a fact. It doesn't really matter if you see what needs to be done. Okay, track with me. It doesn't really matter if you see clearly what needs to be done. What matters is if God sees and he's called you to engage. If, if you see what needs to be done and God is not, his timing is not right and his purposes are not in place, it really doesn't matter if you see everything accurately like Moses did. He did see it right. His timing was off. God's purposes were different. How many times, how many times in this volatile social media world have you stepped into a place and you got your tail bit off for doing it. I watch people step into a conversation on Facebook, and they just want to be helpful, or they just want to be seen, or they just want to be known, and within minutes, 
there's 10 and 15 arguments as to why and why not that statement is accurate and helpful. <laughs> is it God's timing? Are you the person to be engaged in that space? Are you the person? Is it worth at least asking the question? Even on social media. I'm convinced of this. <laughs> he is not using Facebook warriors and Facebook preachers. Not to get it done. You cannot just share a link that, that, that to try to prove something that you have going on in your own heart. Share, boom, share, boom. And all of a sudden, everybody in the world has got it right. Isn't that what we think? All of a sudden, everybody thinks the way we think. I'm so convinced that Facebook warriors don't actually lead anything except emotional riots. Please be careful. Ask some simple questions. Just because you are behind a screen doesn't mean you are automatically God's person in God's purposes, in God's timing, to do what God has called you to do. Be cautious, friends. Be cautious. I have a word for our seniors in this. Seniors, I have a word for you in this. <laughs> you are the people of God. <laughs> I am so sorry that this season has robbed you of something that all of us, all of us in this room have experienced to one extent or another. I am so sorry for this moment robbing you of that, but I need to tell you, listen to me, if you carry this with you the rest of your life, I would be grateful and maybe it'd do some good. You are God's people. And God has called you to something. I don't know exactly what it is. But he has his eye on you. And he's watching. And he sees exactly what has happened. And he sees exactly the calamity and what you've been robbed of. And if he never pays it back, listen to this. He sees you. And he has a plan. And he knows what it is. You might not know what it is, but he has a plan for your life. You are the people of God. And he has purposes for your life in this season and in the next. His plan did not go awry for your life because everything in the world feels like it went off kilter. He knew and he saw. And I can only imagine the turmoil in your heart, thinking, is college going to be for me? Is it going to open up? Is it going to look the way? Am I going to get the experience that everyone else is going to get to experience? Let me tell you, I love you, I hear you, and I so long for you to be on God's program. And if you need to adjust, adjust, because it is the safest and best place to be. God's purposes for God's people in God's timing. The story, the story of God's call of Moses continues. 
Moses uh, is beginning to squirm a bit. The, the weight of the task at hand has got to be immense on Moses' heart. Exodus 3, verses 13 and 14 says, Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and I say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, What does he say? I am who I am. And he said, say to the people of Israel, I am has sent you. I am has sent you. Observation number two. Observation one was that God calls his people and his purposes in his time. Here's observation number two. God sends. God sends in his name with his promise with his power. God sends in his name with his promise and in his power. Everybody likes to have credibility, do they not? Who would ever want to stand before a group of people like this and not have some level of credibility to do the work that's at hand? Moses is no different. Moses, you know what they know of Moses? Moses killed the guy. And then he left. That's what they know of Moses. They, they know Moses was a top, a top dog in the government before he left, and now he's a nobody. That's what's going through Moses' mind. Would you not want some level of credibility from the God who is sending you to these people? God, where's my credibility going to come from? Where's my credibility going to come from? Where does your credibility come from? in your conversations with people? Where does your credibility come from in your teaching of God's word? Where does your credibility, mom and dad, come from in your parenting of your children? Where does your credibility come from? God says, tell them, I am sent you. How good is that? How good is that? I am is the representation of the self-existent, unchanging creator God of the universe. That's who sent you. Tell them, everything that you see around you in creation, I did that. Everything that you know of the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph, everything you know of that God, I am that God. Tell them, I am sent you. And I'm not going anywhere. Friends, I am saw COVID coming, not shocked. I am, listen to this, I am could save Trump from himself. He could shut down his Twitter feed. I am has not checked out. We don't believe in deism. I've said it before, I'm saying it again on purpose. We do not believe in a deistic God. What that means is we don't believe in a God who created what we're a part of, spun this all into motion, and then checked out for us to figure it out on our own. That's not our God. I am is present. I am sees, I am hears, I am knows. I am sent Angie and I here 21 years ago. 
And if I am sees fit, we get to stay. And if I am sees fit, we will go. I am is in control. And we love I am, do we not? We love him, and we worship him, and we delight in him. Friend, has I am put his name on your life? Are you wearing the banner of I am in your heart today? Here's what it looks like. It's called child of God. I belong to him. He purchased me. He adopted me, cleansed me, forgave me, and I get to be his kid because of Christ's work on my behalf. I am has made me his child. And I am has made promises. Remember observation number two is God sends in his name with his promises and his power. I am has made promises to Moses and he has made promises to us in this season and in the next. Exodus chapter 3 and verse 16 and 17 says, Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob has appeared to me saying, I have observed you. And what has been done to you in Egypt? Listen to this. If you've ever wondered where are the promises of God, this one's an easy one. And I promise that I will bring you up out of affliction of Egypt. Hmm. Your eyes drop down on the page just a little bit. Exodus 3, verses 19 and 20. God is saying, I... It's not so easy as just for me to to tell you about the promises. You are going to carry the promises with you, but I'm going to tell you also that to fulfill those promises, you are going to need my power. You're going to see my power and my majesty fulfill the promises that I'm making to you today. Exodus 3, 19 and 20. But I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless what? Unless compelled compelled by a mighty hand. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all the wonders that I will do in it. After that, he will let you go. See, the promises of God to Moses was that God would deliver Israel. Friends, whatever God sends you to do, God will empower to get it done. This is the message of Hebrews 11. You can't see I am, but you can hear his promises. And his promises are going to be fulfilled by the I am that you can't see. Do you believe him? That's the whole question of Hebrews chapter 11. These are people who didn't see the fulfillment of the promises that they were given, but they believed by faith. By faith. The fulfillment of God's promises always, without exception, the fulfillment of God's promises always requires God's power. God told Moses to tell Pharaoh to let my people go, but God knew Pharaoh would not move unless he was, Exodus 3.19, 
compelled by a mighty hand. Friends, there is a mighty hand behind the promises of God. There is a mighty hand behind God's promises. Why do you need to know and believe and trust in and and hold dear the promises of God? Because this is where the mighty hand of God is going to be seen. When he fulfills his promises, you will see the power of God unfold. He has promised to come again, and his mighty hand will do it. Amen? Amen. He has promised to keep all those who are his, and his mighty hand will do it. Amen? He has promised to bring his people safely home, and his mighty hand is going to do it. Amen? God sends us in his name with his promises backed by his mighty hand. (laughs) Do you know what the exodus is? The picture of the exodus, do you know what the exodus is? The exodus is a fulfilled promise. It is the picture of a fulfilled promise. God says, I will deliver you you." in Hebrews 11.29. By faith, the people of God were delivered. The whole story of exodus is the picture of a promise fulfilled. And it points us to a better exodus. There's an even better exodus. God says, I will send a second Adam. I will send a better son. I will send a deliverer. And he will deliver you from judgment, from your sin. (laughs) And by faith, the people of God are delivered. Amen? Amen. By faith, the people of God are delivered. Christian, watcher, somebody who's looking in on this sermon, where do you stand today? Where do you stand today with, with that deliverer? My observation number three is this. Moses moves forward in humility. <laughs> I, I can't imagine being, being Moses, being expected to do what he was and just be a man. He was doubting himself all the way. Exodus 4.1 says, But behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say, The Lord did not appear to you. Exodus 4.10, oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent either in the past or since you have, been spoken, you have spoken to your servants, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. Where Moses was once a man who knew just what to say and to do as a leader of a nation, he finds himself in utter doubt of his abilities to do what God's calling him to do. Moses' self-assessment was this. I don't believe I'm credible, And I don't believe I'm able to preach. (laughs) But God says, I'm going to give you everything you need, and I'm never going to leave you. I'm going to give you everything you need, and I'm not going to leave you. Listen, Moses' past experience, Moses' past experience taught him that just because you can doesn't mean that you're the man to get the job done. Timing was off. Purposes were off. Just because you can kill that guy and you can show justice to everybody around you doesn't mean you're actually the man to get the job done. And now in this season, what is Moses learning? His present calling is teaching him this. (laughs) Just because you think you can't doesn't mean you shouldn't. Why? 
Listen to this. This is a kingdom principle. It's a kingdom principle that you want to lock in. Why? Because humility makes way for God's glory. God's power is made perfect. How? In weakness. God's power is made perfect in weakness. How is the glory of God going to be seen? It's not going to be seen in fireworks and rock stars. It's going to be seen in humility and in weakness. This is the picture of Moses, second time around. 1 Corinthians 1, 27 and 29 says, But God chose what? The foolish things of the world to shame the wise. This brings us to the ministry of Moses. Hebrews eleven twenty-eight. Exodus 4, 22 and 23 says, Then you shall say to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, Israel, my firstborn son, and I say to you, Let my son go, that he may serve me. If you refuse to let him go, behold, I will kill your firstborn son. Ten attempts God makes at Pharaoh's heart. Ten times Pharaoh hardens his heart. God has had enough, and now he proclaims judgment with the tenth plague. Exodus 11, 4 to 6 says, So Moses said, Thus says the Lord, About midnight I will go out in the midst of Egypt, and every firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sits on the throne, even the firstborn of the slave girl who is behind the handmill, and all the firstborn of the cattle. Figure that out, cows. Why? There shall be a great city throughout all the land of Egypt, such as there has never been nor ever will be again. The tenth plague was unique in this. It was going to affect both the Israelite and the Egyptian. All of them were going to be affected by the judgment of God. When the destroyer visited Egypt that night, there was only one distinguishing factor. What was that? The lamb's blood the Passover lamb. There's only one distinguishing factor between those of faith and those not. Do you believe him? Will you obey him? Will you walk with him by faith and put the blood on the doorposts? Hebrews eleven twenty eight. What did Moses do? By faith. By faith, Moses kept the Passover. He sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn firstborn might not touch them. The The first Passover, a lamb dies so that the sons of Israel might live. Get this, the better Passover, the second Passover, God's son dies so God's sheep might live. Don't miss it. Everything about the Exodus is about a better Exodus. Everything about the Passover is about a better Passover. And we, who live in the new covenant, we get to celebrate the Lord's table today because the second Passover has taken place. The son died so that you and I might live. Amen? Pull out your communion elements and let's take the Lord's table together.
Those of you who are at home, I encourage you to pull out your elements and we're going to take the Lord's table together. We're all going to try to do this so we don't spill grape juice on our clothes, right? If you're all trying to figure that out, there's a top little thingy that comes off and there's a cracker under there. How many you pulled off both of them at the same time and took the cracker off of this? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Listen. The Lord gave us the uh, gave us communion or the Lord's table so that we could remember Him. There's two uh, really strong themes in communion. One is what I just said. It's it's remembering. It's remember Jesus and what He did. We, uh, we take the, the bread and we remember his body that was broken for us. Real body, he really died. His body really was broken for us. And, and we remember with the cup, the new covenant, his blood was shed for us. He is the great high priest and the great sacrifice at the same time. And through his death, and his resurrection, he instituted the new covenant. Now we, by faith, we get to be his kids. So we remember. The other part of this is that it's a celebration. It's community. It's us together saying we will do this together as the body of Christ until the Lord returns. We celebrate it. So, those of you who have accepted Christ, those of you who know Jesus as your Savior, please join in this. If you're wondering about the gospel, wait. Let's talk about it some more. Don't take it in a, don't take this communion in some religious way that isn't honoring of the truth that it represents. Let's talk about the gospel. So let's take the bread first. On the night the Lord was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. He said, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Let's eat it. Lord, I thank you for... the grace that you give us to, to even be able to remember you in this way with a tasteless, wafery thing. We can roll with that, God, because you are gracious and you are kind. And the most significant part about the, the communion and the Lord's table, God, is that we remember you, your death, on our behalf, we don't trample it under, underfoot. We don't take it lightly. 
we thank you for the grace of being able to remember you. Now, when supper was done, he, he also took the cup and he passed it and he said, uh, this cup represents a new covenant in my blood. You drink it in remembrance of me. And as often as you do it, do it on a regular basis. As often as you do it, you remember me. Till when? Till I come back. Till I come back again. Would you stand with me, please? Till the Lord returns. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Well, that tasted horrible. <laughs> but it's good. It's good to be together. Um, it's good to take the Lord's table together again. I think the author of Hebrews... He gives us one application that I don't want you to miss here. He uses the singular word when referring to Moses. says he. He, by faith, he moved forward with the Passover. Like he instituted the Passover. He obeyed God and followed the Passover. And then it transitions and says... So that the destroyer, the, the destroyer might not touch them. Plural. Singular, Moses, plural. There's a, there's a value to our faithfulness. There's a value to our walking by faith, just like it was for Moses. He, as a representative of Israel, he was faithful with the Passover. And if he wasn't, think about that. The message of the Passover moved throughout the whole camp. Million, at least a million people had to hear about how to institute the Passover in a very short amount of time. One man. Many were saved. Just like one man Jesus, many might be saved. Now, here's an application for you. Where is your one man being faithful kind of moment? It might be coming tomorrow. In your next conversation with a family member, where God is calling you to be faithful, not with the Passover, just to, to just acknowledge Jesus as Savior. Where does God have just out in front of you your one man that might affect many people, kind of a moment. We are on mission with masks, in church, not in church, at work, at school, throughout the summer. We are on mission for Christ. That hasn't changed. Where has God called you? to trust him and love him most that others might see.
and come to a saving knowledge of Christ. Amen? Let me pray for you. Our Father, we are so grateful for the one man who is faithful that we might know the forgiveness of sins. And God, we know that you have have put that message of reconciliation into the hearts of your people. We taste the goodness of the gospel today in communion. And God, we want to take it to the world. In each conversation that we have, whether it be online or at work or at home or with family members or with our neighbors, in this day, God, would you use us for your glory and for your name's sake as one simple, humble person to bring the message of the cross to people who need to hear. God, I pray this over my people that they might go from this place as sent ones in your name with your promises by your power. It's in Christ's name that we